In old school games where life is cheap No, don't be a dope, bring a pole and a rope Whatever you do, try not to go No, don't go down in a heap Hey everybody, welcome back to the Down in a Heap podcast I'm your host Rob, podcasting to you live from beautiful northeast Minneapolis There at the top of the show we heard from Safer, from Safer Fantasy Crafting Who called in with a, a Christmas rendition of the Down in a Heap theme song. Thanks so much, Safer. I appreciate it. I had meant to play, <laughs> play that on an episode before Christmas, so it was a little bit more apropos. But the best laid plans of cheesemongers and gamers are thrown askew by the holiday whirlwind. And that's exactly what it was. I had all kinds of plans, or hopes at least, and... Uh, they're all dashed on the uh, the wheel of Parmigiano Reggiano rocks of uh, of Christmas and uh, New Year's. Now it was a lot of ten, twelve hour days, a lot of <laughs> thirteen to fifteen thousand step days at work. It was exhausting, and I'm very glad it's over with. But uh, yeah, I'd intended to do work on the Down in the Heap uh, role-playing game. I've done nothing. <laughs> I've had no time. I basically drove to work, got there at usually 6 in the morning, worked until 4 or 5 o'clock, come home, eat some dinner, and then just crash. And... Uh, <laughs> Sales were up over 30% for the cheese department. Uh, the grocery stores are booming uh, during the pandemic, and especially around the holidays. Uh, I think people are looking for an excuse to celebrate even more after the lost holiday season that was last year. And who knows, maybe this holiday season should have been, uh, well, whatever. We'll find out. I think we'll... Things are looking a little grim right now again, and uh, on the on the pandemic front, and I'm I'm no different. I, uh, I I worry a lot about contracting COVID again. I'm definitely uh, armed to the teeth now to fight it. Unlike last time when the uh, when the vaccines hadn't been developed, I'm vaccinated, boosted. I can, I've done all I can, but I'm even older now. I'm still fat, not as fat as I was. I'm still diabetic, so I've still got three strikes against me. And I really don't want to even tangle with it. Now, who knows? Maybe I have already. Maybe I've already had it and, uh, and fought it off, and it wasn't anything more than just a, uh, a little what I maybe thought was uh, fatigue or a head cold or masked by the enormous fatigue of the holiday rush. Who knows? But uh, I'm kind of tired of being a guinea pig, just being out in the public day after day after day, rolling the dice every time I go to work. Um, I don't know if I want to continue doing that. I like my job for the most part, but I'm, uh, it's, it's really getting mentally draining um, doing that. And... Uh, and seeing so many people that uh, don't do the right thing for our society as a whole, 
and uh, and seem even proud of themselves for being a complete jackass and uh, saying, nope, my rights are more important than everyone else's, so I'm going to do what I want, and I don't, I don't care if I hurt other people. So all those people, yeah, thanks. <laughs> I did intend also to uh, have a, another contest uh, to give away some of the, the Midderlands stuff. I, um, I was planning on doing an anniversary show, so my three-year an- three podcasting anniversary came and went. Uh, but yeah, all those things have uh, been cast aside, so it's time to regroup, time to stop rambling, time to get to some phone calls from, uh, or anchor calls, I guess, from some podcasting luminaries. I think we've got some from Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast, Joe from Hindsightless, Daniel from Bandit's Keep, um, Rich from Cockatrice Nuggets, and there might be some more tucked away, but uh, let's go to those now. Take it away, guys. Welcome to the penthouse, Thunder. Hey, Rob, Jason here. Just want to say I've enjoyed your experience point system. I haven't listened to the calls yet. I'm only halfway in your episode, latest episode, but I also want to say that I I think you'll just have to play with it and see, you know, if the number of experience points for each thing is about right, and if, you know, the number you need to go up is about right, you'll find out through play how to balance all that. I think that if you don't let them get a plus four in anything until fourth level, you're going to end up with a lot of characters that look the same, so I would almost say don't do that, because if you limit where they can put their attribute points, then everybody's going to end up looking pretty samey. And I and I know in the past, you've talked about not wanting characters to look the same or your players not wanting to play characters to look the same. So that's my two cents on that. Hey Jason, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. You're right. It's going to take some extended play time, I think, to discover whether or not the experience point awards for specific tasks or actions in the game are appropriate. And I'll probably, I don't think I'd tweak them along the way. I think I'd just play with things as is for this campaign. And if the campaign ends, then reassess, kind of ask the players, well, what do you think? Do, are, are some things awarded too much? Are some things not awarded enough for experience points? Is there an overemphasis on one aspect of the game or something that's underplayed? But yeah, I, I seriously doubt that there wouldn't be some tweaking after you know playing a year or something like that to the experience point system. But right now, I think it will. I mean, I think it will work, but who knows? Uh, as far as the capping or, or putting the plus four on a pedestal, only allowing a character get to. Uh, plus four and an attribute at until fourth level, you might be right that there's a, a risk of having sameness if you don't allow that extra avenue. It seems like there's two definite play styles 
that I see when there's like an a la carte build character kind of option in a game. There's the kind of extremist point of view where people just trying to maximize the the one thing that they're great at and just focus all their attention on being the best swordsman or the best archer or the best caster or the best face man they possibly can be to the exclusion of anything else. And then there are those that are more the spread the wealth kind of player where they're maybe a more conservative approach and trying to be at least uh, capable at a wide variety of tasks. I think more players that I play with fall into the latter camp. So even if I allow plus four to be on the table uh, as early as you possibly can, which I think would be second level, I think you could potentially be plus four in an attribute the way it's laid out right now. I don't know if... I don't know if many players will take that approach. But, yeah, I... I'll probably just not put any kind of reins on that and just uh, let it be. And if if it turns out that a plus four is too powerful to have at low level, then, then maybe, again, I'll address it in, you know, like a second go-round of down in a heap. But uh, thanks for the feedback. And now I think we've got some calls from Joe and Daniel regarding advancement, too. Hey, Rob, dude, I really enjoyed your latest episode. I like the way you're doing advancements. I guess my only question would be for the first part where you get experience based on how memorable the session is. Like who 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 decides that the GM or the players you guys get together because, you know, what's memorable to some people isn't necessarily memorable to others. And then, like, if the GM just isn't feeling it that day and the session's not that memorable, then the players don't get the XP because the GM isn't feeling up to it. So I don't know. Other than that, I thought it was cool. That one, I'm a little, you know, iffy on. But, again, your game, your system, whatever you want to do. But, yeah, I'm, I'm curious what you think about those thoughts, man. So, yeah, good stuff. Keep it up, and I'll talk to you soon. Peace out. Hey, Joe. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. And you are correct. It is a little bit sub- subjective, a little bit... Uh... Um, slippery slope maybe some might say as as to who decides what's a memorable session or not and what we're discussing here is a session experience point award in the down in a heap role-playing game where i laid out that for just kind of a an average session all the players get two experience points and then they get bonus experience points for doing various other tasks and stuff for a session that's not so memorable or just subpar you'd get one and for one that's exceptional you'd get three for a session award and how i envision that is kind of a 10 80 10 type of thing so 80% of the time you're just giving out two and maybe that should just be the baseline you could you could certainly do that if you want and not put any kind of rating system on the session just give a blanket you show up you play you, you get two. But I think having that wiggle room where for something, say you only play, for some reason you have technical issues or whatever, and uh, the session craps out after an hour, or the session goes really long. You play like, you know, you normally have a three-hour session, 
but instead you guys have a lot of time, so you play five hours. Well, maybe you should ward more for that. Um, but I, I view it more as, yeah, 80% of the time you're just, it's a, it's a fun session. Everyone's looking forward to playing again. That's two. One is reserved for those oddball clunkers that you have. And I think most people recognize when you have kind of a clunker session. Maybe nothing really gets done. The players don't advance their agenda at all. It's you're, you're doing stuff that could easily be done on a direct messaging kind of ring or text ring or email uh, kind of situation. You're not really doing anything that couldn't be done out of session. To me, that, that warrants a one. And conversely, I think most people would recognize when something is exceptional, when you're having, you know, one of the top 10, or not top 10, a 10% kind of like, this is, yep, this is one we're always going to remember, or this was one of the best sessions of the year, or one of the best sessions of the campaign so far. Uh, that's where you hand out the three. And, you know, it in the grand scheme of things, uh, an experience point here or there isn't going to be that big of a deal. I think if you use two as the baseline for, like I said, 80% of the sessions that you do, you're going to be good. And um, if it does become contentious, you just say, all right, fine, let's just make them two. Everything's two from now on out. Um, or, you know, and if you want to have it so that the players decide, that's cool. If you want to have it where it's, uh, um, you all just decide the referee and the players, that's cool too. I think it's fine if just the referee doles it out because in most games, uh, the referee is the one awarding experience points anyway, so it's it's all a little bit discretionary in that regard. But uh, thanks for the call, and now let's see what Daniel from Bandit's Keep has to say. Hey Rob, Daniel from Bandit's Keep calling in about advancement. I gotta say right off the bat, I love that you name the levels. I love that. It's one of my favorite things. Got to have level names. Super exciting. Um, I like it a lot. I think that, I mean, if I'm going to kind of give both sides of it, I'll do kind of devil's advocate. I think that having a, a, a relatively long list like that of all these little kind of sp specific things that you get experience points for will engage some players a lot. They'll be like, oh, what? I can get land or I can get this and I can do that. Or I might challenge a greater monster because it'll give me more experience points. And that's super cool. However, for your kind of beer and pretzels players that don't want to like deal with all that and they just want to come and play, I, I think it might seem like much for them. Though, I mean, I think if I actually analyzed everything you said, most of the stuff you get experience points for, uh, your general players are going to do anyways. So I guess it works out, but it might just seem a little bit more elaborate to those kind of players. But I love it personally. I think it's just also about the opening thing Jason talked about. Like Coriolis has that system, right, where you ask the questions. And it is pretty cool because you don't have to like, it's really, it makes the tracking of experience points really easy, I guess. But I will say that it does incentivize people to do those things that the questions asked. And sometimes it can be awkward because it's not really something that they would naturally do. And they're just like going out of their way to do the thing, you know? <laughs> so I think that based on the list, I mean, I only listened to the episode once, but based on the list, I think that mostly what you listed on there or everything maybe uh, is stuff that wouldn't be completely awkward for <laughs> an adventurer to do you know so it's not like they're going out of their way to do something and i guess make an ally right or make an enemy might be one of those things where somebody could do something stupid just to try to get those experience points but again i don't think that's really an issue it's just something i pointed out but yeah I, I, like i said all in all i mean i 
can't wait until you're playtesting it so we get some results. But based on what you're saying, I think it, it sounds awesome. Hey, Daniel, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. And that was my intent by putting together that list or or being, uh, you know, it's something I found, like I said, I found on a blog at, at some point. And I'm pretty sure I embellished things a little bit. And, um, but it, but it was, uh, the skeleton for my, for this system was, and I, I still don't know where I found it. I, I didn't save this, that page or I didn't print it off or anything like that. So I, I have no idea where I got it from, but it, it is something I admire because it's a list of things that, uh, hopefully provide imagination and, and will drive the the players to say this is what the game is about. This is uh, these are the victory conditions in in board game parlance. When you sit down to play a game, you want to know well what's the point? What am I what am I trying to do in the board game to either finish the game or win the game or be competitive in the game, whatever. And as much as role playing games differ to some degree from board games and war games i think there's still is an element of that to like all right what are what are we supposed to be doing and on some level that's the players decide that for themselves but if a uh, part of the game is progressing your character on some track of going up in level there should be a list of things that tell tell those players this is what how you advance <laughs> so in classic D, you advance by getting treasure by bringing treasure home back to your base and um, with this list of uh, of experience point awards hopefully it would prevent players from spinning their wheels and not really knowing well what are we supposed to do and i think i agree that this list of stuff is things that to me would come naturally in a fantasy adventure game, you know, like a sandbox fantasy adventure game. These are the types of things that your, your characters would be doing the hijinks they'd get up to. And, uh, so it makes sense to me. I think it's good to have these things codified so that the, the players know this is, this is what you get. You know, you, you, make a stronghold or base of operations, you get some ex these experience points. If you come back with a treasure, you get this. If you defeat this foe, if you make an enemy, if you save a bunch of villagers, this is what you get. And uh, so almost like the flip side of what Joe is talking about, where there's, there's this subjective quality, this is codifying it. And uh, so maybe maybe I should just say, Sessions are just two experience points, and this is what everything else is worth, and not and take the subjectivity out of it. And just say this is this is what it is. But uh, yeah, I know too. In in like some skill based systems, there's I've heard stories talked about like in BRP of people just using a skill just to try and get a skill roll, so they're not really even doing anything vital to the game they just want to increase their climb ability so they just randomly oh, i'm just going to climb this tree and if they succeed they want to get a a chance to increase their climb ability or they you know 
that type of thing. That they'll try and pick a party member's pocket just to improve their pickpockets ability or something. And uh, so there is that kind of gaming the system kind of thing. And uh, I'd, I'd as much as possible like to avoid that kind of thing. And I think this should do a decent job of it. And now there's a couple of calls uh, from uh, Rich and Daniel about my discussion, my little aside on the last episode, I think, where I was talking about Into the Odd and the automatic hit, uh, which is kind of one of the big features of that game, the auto hit, the auto damage, um, or the lack of to hit rolls, and how I pondered that maybe having a minus one on the die so that you could have kind of a null exchange. You could just kind of flat out miss, especially with with ranged weapons and into the odd. If you had a minus one on the die roll, on the damage roll, that would reflect that you just flat out missed. And maybe having minus one for extended range with with ranged weapons. Um so that like extreme range, maybe you're minus three on damage. So that just increases the probabilities or, or shows the increased probability of having a complete miss. Um, and whether that's a, a good idea or if it's kind of working against the intent of the game. So let's see what uh, Daniel and Rich have to say about it. Oh man, as soon as you started talking, I immediately thought to myself, well, you could just make if it does one damage, it does no damage. And then you basically said minus one, which essentially does the same thing. But it, maybe it works better in people's minds. But then also I thought when you started talking about the ranges, I was like, that is genius. I love it. Uh, I think that's a great way to do it. It gives you that chance of whiffing, um, which I agree is a little bit weird um, to never miss. I guess, in a sense, and into the odd. That's why I don't know that I've ever played it over long term because I always kind of had a little bit of problem with that as well. So, yeah, I, I like this a lot, and I, I'm going to have to run into the odd just so I can try it. <laughs> hey, man. The one thing that really drew me to uh, Into the Odd and Electric Bastion Land is the no roll for hits. Um, I think that if you put a negative on it, it would... Uh, make the combats go longer, and that is kind of antithetical to not rolling for hits. Um, how much longer? It's hard to say because one damage could probably be, you know, maybe one to two rounds. Um, but who knows? Because uh, you could roll a bunch of zeros too. Um, also, on advancement, I really like the end of the odd invest in advancement. Uh, I think my next game, I'm going to be running Electric Bastion Land. My next campaign. Uh, but I will use Into the Odd Advancement because I really, really like that whole uh, have-to-take-on-apprentice thing. And uh, I feel like even though an apprentice is an NPC, I would make it into um, a PC and encourage troop play. Have a good one. Well, there we have it. Kind of uh, opposing viewpoints um, on this topic of Into the Odd and the auto-hit from Daniel of uh, Bandit's Keep, Media Empire, and Rich from the Cockatrice Nuggets podcast. And I I kind of see both points of view. I think it's maybe the simulationist in me, or I think it's, e it's easier to envision combat where there are just flat-out misses, uh, especially ranged 
combat. That's where I really have a hard time with the auto damage. And yeah, you can narrate it or whatever. You can say that, you know, just like two points of damage to someone that has eight points of hit protection, that two points just represents a, a, you know, a close call, a bullet whizzing by them, an arrow that plunks into their shield or something. But um, when you have especially multiple people, multiple attackers firing on someone, it really uh, adds up quick when the, when it's auto hit. So when you have people ganging up on them, and I know Chris McDowell addressed that a little bit in Electric Bastion Land where uh, you, you roll damage, you have to announce if you're, multiple people are attacking one target. And then you all roll damage, and whoever rolls the highest damage, that's how much you do. Um, and I think I'd probably implement that in Into the Odd, too, because it does benefit the players as well. If you have a, a bunch of creatures, a swarm of creatures attack the player characters, when they're auto-hitting, those things are really, really deadly. But I see Rich's point of view, too, in that the one of the beauties of Into the Odd is that by removing the to hit roll, you're removing those negative exchange the exchanges those are not negative those those just like blah rounds where you're just rolling to hit rolling to hit and you miss 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 that happens so often in D and D. That's what can sometimes cause the slog factor. Uh, or just like in with really high level play, if you've got 80 hit points and you're fighting a monster that, you know, a bunch of monsters that need a, you know, 19 or 20 to hit you. And they're, when they hit, they're only doing a D six of damage that it's just kind of like, why are we bothering with this? (laughs) So I, anyway, I get what Rich is saying too, that the, there might be an unintended consequence there of making uh, what should be a really lean, fast-playing game into more of a sloggy game by having that, just for the sake of having more of a simulationist point of view. Maybe the happy medium there is to say that in melee, you're always doing some kind of damage. And in ranged combat there's the potential to just flat out miss. And you do that by, if you're firing at short, medium, long range, or whatever you want to call it, medium range, long range, extreme range, um, applying minuses to the damage roll so that it does represent uh, this being less and less effective at at longer ranges. And maybe you just... (laughs) have it as an optional rule and just say, leave it up to the players. If after playing a few sessions, they're kind of like, this is kind of weird. It's just not, I'm not making this connection with this auto hit kind of thing. It's, it's getting in the way of my enjoyment or I'm, I just don't like it. Well, maybe you could try doing a minus one on the die rolls to see, to, so you have that uh, possibility of, of not, taking any damage in the exchange and maybe that would appeal to to a different 
play style perspective or something. Anyway, I think that's how I do it is put it a, a sidebar in the rules saying, here's an optional rule that we could try. And if mo- if that appeals to most of the people playing, you, you try it out and see if it works. Um, you know, I think there's a good chance I am going to just run an Into the Odd campaign before I do a down-in-a-heap role-playing game playtest. Uh, I, I really want to get back into running a game, and uh, I just haven't had any time to work on the down-in-a-heap role-playing game, whereas Into the Odd I could probably run tonight, and it would be just fine (laughs) so uh, it might be that i run a a quick into the odd or what's intended to be a short into the odd campaign maybe like a dozen sessions and after those dozen sessions kind of reassess and if the players want to keep playing it we play that and if we uh if they're like yeah let's let's try that uh that down in a heap game you've been working on, then we then we do that. So, just to get back into the rhythm, I might just start playing some into the odd. Um, but I'll keep you uh, apprised of the situation, and I will keep working on the down in a heap role playing game. I just haven't, like I said, haven't had time to really put any work into it. So, but those episodes will be coming out uh, shortly. But one more call from Daniel, and then uh, a call from Joe to wrap things up. So let's get going here. I definitely think the positioning and everything is super interesting. I've never been that in-depth in my games, but I do think that's fascinating, right? And and yeah, I was talking about like missile fire. I think think that's what I said. At first I said the high number, then I was like, well, they'd have to be throwing rocks. You know, that kind of thing. Or let's say a character's running down a hallway, right, And, and past people, and they're all attacking them as they run past, or... Um, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, what What if you got two guys with two-handed swords swinging them wildly versus a bunch of people with spears? Or, you know, pixies attacking you with tiny daggers. <laughs> I think it's hard to really work out exactly how many people could attack at once. And like you said, the DM fiat ends up being the way to go. But I definitely agree with Jeff that you don't want to, <laughs> you know, mo- most at least I don't want to have a game where it's like, no, there's 25 goblins, and they're all stabbing you with their with their swords. And you're like, how is that possible? <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. We want to have some realism in our fantasy, I guess. <laughs> Anyways, great episode. And that was uh, Daniel from Addis Keep talking about kind of physical realities in the game and how I've had that topic come up a lot. And there, I think there's a, a blasé kind of attitude with some gamers about the fact that we're playing fantasy so well we're playing elf games why are you worried about this uh what does it matter it's all make-believe anyway and i understand that to a point you know like getting into the what an elf is or what magic is can be kind of an immaterial like we're, we're talking about pretend things here right but i don't think that means that you should just throw everything aside and not have anything make sense because if you want to have meaningful choices in the game you also have to have a basic understanding of what's going on so if you are especially when you're playing like 
like I end up playing most of the time where everything is uh, much more abstract. When we were playing face-to-face, I was, I, when I was running games, was, was using battle boards and grid, you know, maps and stuff like that most of the time because I really enjoy those tactical decisions and for me it's it's much easier for me to place myself in the situation to imagine what my character is facing when i see it in a uh, a physical representation so when i know okay if i move here i'm out of the line of sight of that uh, that archer when I move here, I'm behind cover. When I move here, I can attack this person. Um, to me, those are all important. Or when I move back into this area, only two people can attack me instead of, instead of four people attacking me. Those are all really important considerations. And it's really difficult to make meaningful choices when you when you don't all when you're not all on the same page and by having the physical representation to me it puts you on the same page but uh (laughs) because i'm such a technological idiot i'm the one i'm the anchor the the ball and chain in in my group where everyone else has uh, roll 20 and has a computer (laughs) with probably multiple monitors and I'm sitting here playing on my, my smartphone, my iPhone, with this you know teeny little screen, and uh, and not on roll twenty. Uh, so I'm the person that's kind of forcing the theater of the mind aspect, and uh, and it might be that that's the reason why I don't really enjoy playing online so much. Um, it is for me a a much less enjoyable experience playing online than it is face to face and that's I think a a big part of why the amount of gaming I've done since the pandemic hit and just the amount of fun I have gaming has decreased so my enthusiasm for games has waned a bit I think is all tied up in in those things but to the point, that's why I, I want to pay attention to things like um, these tactical situations, these physical realities, what's in your hand, what's on your belt, what's in your pack, who's carrying this. To me, those are all important things in the game. Um, it's fine if you want to have a game where, where most of that stuff is, is just hand-waved away. If that's not important in your game, that's cool. But for me, those are the important choices I want to be making. Um, that's what thrusts me into the game and imagining my character facing these various decisions. Um, anyway. <laughs> Long answer to maybe a short comment. And I got some one last call from Joe, and then I'll sign out. 
yo, Rob, I hope you're hanging in there, dude. I remember working in the restaurants during the holiday seasons and just getting run over, man. Especially if you're still shorthanded. It is super brutal out there this time of year. So uh, I'm sending you all the good vibes I can, dude. I'm thinking good thoughts. More power to you. You got this, though, dude. The finish line is in sight. You're almost there. I hope you're managing to steal some breaks when you can, to relax as much as you can whenever you can. That's important. Yeah, so the reason for my call, I was just sitting here thinking to myself, thinking, you know what I'd really like? And I was like, what? What would I like? I'd really like the next Monster episode with Rob and Jason, dude. That's what I would really like. And yeah, no, totally understand. Super busy, but you got this. I just want to let you know, I love that show. I can't wait for the next episode. Yeah, hope you're hanging in there, dude. Peace out. Yeah, I really appreciated this call from Joe that I got uh, a week or two ago. Uh, picked me up a little bit. <laughs> it is, uh, it's, unless you've worked uh, retail during the holidays or restaurant during the holidays or something, I've, well, I mean, I, I'm sure most uh jobs have like a really crazy time or a busy time i'm thinking like an accountant during a tax season or whatever you know there are crazy times um some jobs are are both physically and mentally draining and this one definitely falls into that category i'm just when i get home i'm just physically wiped out and then to add insult to injury after the christmas rush so i mean i had I basically just had Christmas Day off. And Christmas Day, of course, is filled with obligations. Um, Christmas Eve was spent at my family's, uh, so we you know, didn't get to bed until 11.30, 12 or something. And then Christmas Day was uh, spent with, um, with Mary's family, or her mom, basically, is all we saw due to various, yeah, drama. Anyway, so there there were these obligations so there was really no time to relax in fact christmas day i was dozing off most of the time i was just so exhausted and then boom right back at it the next day uh basically just trying to refill the case that was completely demolished by uh, uh the christmas day rush and then and then counting back stock because the next day was inventory and then now it's another big rush. It's, I mean, New Year's is definitely not anywhere near the same ballpark as Christmas. And it's not as big as, uh, as Thanksgiving as far as the, the level of business. But it's probably that third rung. It's a, that and Easter uh, are, and the Super Bowl, those are like really big events. So it's right back on the horse craziness. I'll be probably working 10 hours tomorrow and 10 hours on New Year's Eve and then working New Year's Day. It's it just, at some point, it feels like you never get a break. <laughs> uh, and I'm getting, I'm getting really, really tired. I need a break. Um... And it's totally on me. Jason's been ready to, to do the next Monster episode for a long time now and has been kind of putting out feelers, and I've just been, oh, I'm just too wiped out. But, yeah, we'll, I'll, I'll make it a point. 
um, to uh, remedy that, and we'll do the Invisible Man, hopefully here in January. I hope all of you had a, a good holiday season, whatever you celebrate, Hanukkah, Ramadan, Festivus, Kwanzaa, Christmas, Yuletide, whatever. <laughs> if you just celebrate it in a secular way, if uh, if you don't celebrate a holiday at all, whatever. I hope you had a good December, and uh, I hope all of you have a great 2022. I keep feeling like every year has just been... Um, of a disaster lately and maybe it's always that way I come I do feel like everyone thinks that um, they live in the best of times and the worst of times at the same time <laughs> but really this last year the insurrection the continued uh, political rancor that uh, divides us the ongoing pandemic that seems to be never-ending and probably won't ever end, at least in the foreseeable future, and the, the failure of so many to accept those realities or to create their own separate reality that they believe in. Um, the, we had a, a terrible drought here in Minnesota, the, the whole climate situation uh, it's just uh, it's kind of demoralizing when you think about it so it's no wonder that uh, gaming is booming at the same time as all these uh, things that are driving us into our own little holes and our silos so yeah for 2022 let's all try to empathize a little bit more and have as good a year as we can. Think about your fellow citizens and uh, do the right thing. <laughs> and don't go down a heap. See ya. My strength has returned. My wounds have healed. Thanks to Ariel's magic. Nothing to it. It's all in the wrist. Time to go, Ariel. Goodbye, Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.